Welcome back, guys, to week 13's JWB Squares, Scares, and Prayers. In this show, we come your nerves on some studs that must be in lineups, challenge questionable starters, and offer some prayer flyers to help you with those pesky bye weeks or to fill that final flex. To any new listeners, I am Skylar. He is Tim. This is JWB. To any returning listeners, you are the absolute best. If you love fantasy football, please make sure that you subscribe to the channel. We are on our way to 2,500 subscribers. Welcome. You're listening to JWB Fantasy Football. Thanks for listening. All right, guys. As always, we get started with our squares for the week. Now, our square plays, these are players that have legitimate concerns around them, but we're here to tell you, stick the course. They are good to go into your lineup. So, Tim, get us started off with your week 13 square. He was a prayer last week. He's a square this week. I'm going with Josh Downs. I think he has a pretty good matchup, a good matchup against Tennessee. Tennessee runs a lot of zone. He's 28% first read against zone. Also... If we look at last week, he had 13 targets, only five receptions, but he was half yard away from a touchdown, which completely changes the com- uh, the complexion of the week as well as how this next week is perceived. When he's um, playing a majority of the snaps, he's getting a lot of targets. And when he plays above 70% or more snaps, he's had no less than five catches. So as the as the season has progressed, he's, he's become more and more, more integral into this offense. That same drive, he was one yard short last week. They went right back to him to play. Actually, it was right. They went right back to him because the play prior, he was targeted as well. So he's becoming a red zone threat, even though he's a small receiver. Now, Tennessee does pretty well against slot receivers. But the thing is, Josh Downs is not just a slot receiver. He operates very well outside. And it's kind of funny. It's kind of the same idea with Tank Dell. Tank Dell, I had concerns about how, how he would play outside the slot. But both of these guys attack the football on the sidelines as well as their matchups on the sidelines. So I think that this week he's going to go at least top 24. He's 26 in the ECR, but I think it could be much higher than that just because of the opportunity for them to score points in the red zone. It's the question mark is if there's going to be demand for it in this game. Yeah, obviously this call I liked last week as well. I like Josh Johns a lot. My favorite thing with Josh Johns coming into the league is I thought he was more than just that little guy because in the red zone, he's got a good twitch to him. He was used like that at UNC, and I thought if he could get that going in the NFL, he could be a player who gives you more than just a couple soft zone PPR slot you know, type player there. So I like Josh Johns a lot. Last week, you're killing me with that touchdown. Um, he was obviously my prayer last week was aiming for him to give us that finish, and he was he was just outside of the mark we wanted him to. So hopefully this year could be his redemption. This week can be his redemption. I mean, 13 targets. You cannot complain with those numbers. I mean, other than the two weeks prior where he wasn't 100%, the peripherals have been pretty darn good for Josh Downs. Now, of course, the offense just isn't, isn't as prolific as we would like, but I, I think things are coming together, and I am excited to see uh, the future for Josh Downs. I think that when you find any receivers that find leverage in the red zone, whether that's size, speed, twitchiness, and you are able to take advantage of that, they just become so much more valuable. Totally agree. I'm going to go to a rookie as well for my square play. We're going to go with Rashi Rice, who is easier wide receiver 25. I'm also going to say he's going to be a top 24 play here. Now, Green Bay has been pretty solid versus fantasy wide receivers over the course of the year, but they let up the 28th most points against the position in the last two weeks. I know it's a really small sample size, but it's at least something uh, trending in the right direction for a player who is also very much trending in the right direction. Week 11, we saw Kansas City clearly upset with the wide receiver room. I mean, we had a game losing drop there for MVS. And then we had a game ending drop from Justin Watson. Uh, And then last week they went over to Rashi Rice, the most electric wide receiver in that room. They gave another week over 60% of the snaps. And he, he came through for us in a big way with that 100 yard 
game. My only complaint with Rashi Rice is that they rotate too much. Like, I want to see this guy out in the field even more because he's very clearly, in a way, in my opinion, the best wide receiver they have on that roster. Although that's not much of a saying too much because that wide receiver room is bottom 10 in the NFL for sure. Um, but amongst wide receivers with over 100 snaps in the season, Rice has the 12th most yards per route run in the league, despite only having a four yard a dot. I found that very impressive. And that becomes, that comes from his ability after the catch, right? When he was coming into the league, we didn't quite know because early in college, people were talking about him like he was this route runner. And then his, his last year in, in school, he wasn't really this great route runner. Reception perception didn't really grade him that well, but, he was really great with the ball in his hands. He was a good deep threat. Um, so it was really confusing what kind of a play we're going to get from Rashi Rice. But the way they're using when they get the ball in his hands, good things happen. Um, he's seventh in the league in yaks amongst wide receivers, despite playing like 20% less snaps than all the guys around him. You see the Tyree kills are out there 92% of the snaps, and you've got Rashi Rice out there playing 65% of the snaps. So he thrived when he got 29% of the team targets last week. I expect him to go back his way. Um, because they're pretty desperate for a spark plug, and he's obviously, you know, the best option they have to do that. Yeah, I think he definitely benefits playing with Mahomes because Mahomes is able to, to extend plays, create different threats when he breaks the play down and starts to work his way upfield. But that means that someone's got to be the beneficiary, and nobody else has been able to step up. So in this out in this opportunity, I definitely think that the Rice can prove more worth, especially uh, in such a buy. Uh, late in week where so many people are looking for starters, especially in deeper leagues. I don't see the issue playing for both the upside as well as somewhat the floor based on the fact of this role continues to grow for him. And he's playing with one of the best quarterbacks on the planet. Yeah. I mean, he's had over eight points every single week since week five. I know that's not crazy, but when you're worried about some of these young guys, you're worried they could come in and give you a three point week and it really crushes you with Rashi Rice. I mean, that's a wide receiver four kind of floor water a low wide receiver four floor which i will absolutely take if he's going into my lineup as my wide receiver three or my mm -hmm. wide receiver four um and then of course he can give us what he did last week when he went for over 100 yards uh he had he's had three other weeks since week five where he was in the double digits so you know he's not he's not just a floor option there mm -hmm. um one thing yeah. with patrick mahomes when you're working with patrick mahomes like with Kadarius tony it's great when you get the ball in his hands at least that was the pitch right but you have to you have to get open and secure the ball. And one thing I like with Rush Rice, he's been efficient in his targets. When he gets the targets, he's bringing the targets in, he's making the catch, and then he's making something happen. You don't have to be this elite route runner. Of course, if you are Tyree Kale and you're a good route runner and you're incredible to find soft spots and zones, you're going to break the NFL. But with Patrick Mahomes, you just need to be able to find those spots because he extends plays and they're so good at extending plays. This is what makes Travis Kelsey so good. I don't think he's this elite route runner. He's just... He makes up routes. He just goes out there for the love of the game, and he he can read defenses so great. He's very well prepared. I'll give him credit there, but he just finds all these soft spots in the zones, and when Patrick Mahomes is moving outside the pocket or the play breaks down, Travis is just trying to lock eyes with Pat and just move in a way where Pat can get him the ball. And Rashi Rice, if he can continue to learn how to do that, I think that their connection could, could definitely grow. Yeah, and speaking with the floor versus ceiling one more time, um, based on – the fact that he's not getting uh, elite snap shares yet either, that that proves opportunity for more ceiling as well. I wasn't saying the floor thing was a bad thing. I was just saying that he gives you a range that isn't zero to something. There is a bottom to it, and that does help you give a, get a little more confidence playing him as even a flex option in your lineup. Yeah, I mean, he's sitting at around a 9% touchdown rate, which is 
slightly unsustainable, but in the way they're using him, it has made sense. Of course, if his volume expanded, you'd expect that number to maybe come down even as well as half. But when you're playing with Patrick Mahomes and you've, as a rookie, have already shown the ability to score five touchdowns in 12 games, you know, that also contributes well to that upside. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, we're going to keep things into our accountability segment, as we always do. Review last week, we were four and three on our picks. Puts us at 15% there on the year. We had Nico Collins, top 20, he was wide receiver six. Kyron Williams, top 18, he was running back one. Amari Cooper, outside the top 36, he was wide receiver 90. And then we had two to out, we were saying, with Cooper Cup in, top 48. Cooper Cup out, he was top 36. Cooper Cup played, he finishes the wide receiver 37. So we're going to mark that one in there as well. Missing Derek Henry had a great week, RB8. Demario Douglas was going to hit as a top 36 play. Got knocked out of the game there. He finished a wide receiver 40. So disappointing. He was just outside the mark. If you played him, I don't think you're terribly upset with that. And then, of course, as we mentioned with Josh Downs, he finished at wide receiver 49. Had he scored that touchdown, he would have just tucked inside the top 36 as well. So I'm going to keep things moving into a question here that I have for Tim. Because it seems like every year a nobody pops up when it matters most. Over the last two weeks, uh, sorry, over the last two seasons, one third of the top 12 running backs and wide receivers in the fantasy playoffs were just a guy. They, they were a replaceable name. Um, you know, in 2022 20, weeks, 15 through 17, we had Cam Akers was RB4, Jarek McKinnon RB3, Tyler Gier RB5, Latavius Murray RB8. KJ Osborne, wide receiver eight, Jahan Dotson, wide receiver 12. 2021, we had Rashad Penny running back one. Devin Singletary, running back two. Sonny Michelle, RB4. Justin Jackson, RB6. Rex Burghead, RB11. Deontay Foreman, RB12. Tower Boyd, wide receiver eight. And Braxton Barris was wide receiver nine. So not a very impressive list, but it just shows you at this time of the year, production can come from all sorts of places. Tim, if you had to go out there now and pick up cheap or not cheap, but options that you think could be that type of player this year who are some players that you're going to add well, there there are some guys at each at the positions that like you said they might be cheap they might not be cheap but here's who here are kind of my list i like brock purdy's playoff schedule i like jake ferguson's playoff schedule i like isaiah pacheco's playoff schedule and a guy that i want to take a risk on obviously it's going to depend on if you have roster space and stuff like this but I want to see what Michael Carter does. I'm not going to lie to you. I think that's going to be a really, uh, it could be a really interesting situation where there's huge amounts of growth that because he's been stuck behind Brees and he's been stuck behind Cook, people kind of forget about him. It, you know, Dean Mercado hasn't really shown that he's going to take that secondary role. Um, I forget the other the other back that was there. Keontae Ingram. Yeah. Keontae Ingram hasn't done anything with any of his touches like whatsoever. Like he basically has a ceiling of two, no matter what his snap share is. And there's opportunity in this passing offense or the passing game in this offense because we see that Connor gets targeted. He's actually continued to increase his targets every week since since Kyler's been back. But how I could see this easily becoming a split. And then with this offense being able to move up and down the field, there's definitely red zone opportunities for the running backs to score points. And if Carter proves capable to be a complement even to Connor, there's opportunity for him to score more points than just just what he gets in yardage and in receptions. That there could be touch and op- uh, upside up opportunities in this offense and i think he's basically free so i'm not saying to go drop a guy that has way better floor or way better ceiling or anything like that but if you have an opportunity with maybe there's an injury or something of that nature and you have an opening on your roster spot or opening roster spot there you could do worse than picking up um a dynamic offenses running back too especially with their rb1 as a guy who's proven to not always be able to stay healthy 
I hate that that's probably a good call there because with James Conner on a few rosters, he just hasn't come back the way I thought he would. Uh, mainly that receiving game, right? He's had a stronghold on that role for several seasons, even in Pittsburgh. He was just a guy who, despite being uninspiring, was so reliable. He got the targets that really elevated his floor. And right now we're not seeing that. And then when you when you take that away and then you bring in Michael Carter, uh, it worries me a lot for James Conner. I still think through volume on the ground, he's totally fine. He's like a back-end RB2, high RB3. Conner's going to finish in that range, I think, for the rest of the year. But as you mentioned there, yeah, anything happens to James Conner or if Michael Carter carves at a role, he could be an RB3 status with James Conner there. And that, of course, could evolve into an RB2 potentially if something were to happen to James Conner, which is always within the question. It's an interesting call. And Isaiah Pacheco, I don't know what you would have to spend necessarily in your redraft leagues here, guys, to go get Isaiah Pacheco. But if a manager was kind of fighting some of these bye weeks and it was a two-for-one opportunity... I do like that call as well. His playoff schedule is fantastic. If Jarrett McKinnon continues to miss time, we could see an expanded role for Isaiah Pacheco, which was always our concerns with limitations is what he was going to get in the receiving game. But when he's out there for, you know, 70% of the snaps, he's going to inevitably get a little bit more of that work. And with an offense that's always going to score touchdowns, I just want him on the field. So I like that call there as well. And Brock Purdy, Brock Purdy's been a fantastic value for guys this week. I mean, this week you're going to see him as a top 10 option. Uh, I think I had him as quarterback like seven in my rankings for the week. Uh, so it's I think it's going to start start this week. Philadelphia is a fantastic matchup. If you do need a quarterback and he's available as someone's backup, yeah, sure. I think that's worth a stab as well. Okay, guys, so we're going to move into our scares for the week, guys. As always, we mention with our scares, we have to preface this. We are not telling you you have to bench these players. All we are doing is telling you that there are legitimate concerns we have and you should at least explore your other options. Go down in the comments, let us know your start decisions and if you should really bench these players. So, Tim, get us started. Who are you scared about in week 13? Just to segue from the question, I'm going with James Conner this week. Um, since Kyler's, Kyler's been back, his best week is RB28. He did perform decently well in the passing game last week. I understand that there was kind of a blowout, so that's kind of how they had the switch. He had hit double-digit double rushes in the games prior with Kyler, and he only had about 42% uh, snap share last week, but he still put up close to double digits. So I understand that it wasn't a great week. There is still touchdown upside, but and and at, with it being such a bi apocalypse a lot of the time with uh weeks like this where you just look at your lineup and you're just almost searching it is going to be tough to sit him i'm not saying to do that but i'm saying understand that he hasn't really performed to, to the levels we want him to be at there hasn't been great efficient numbers either where he's getting chunks and things like that so th those would be my concerns as well like i said um michael carter but some benefits or some positives to Carter or to uh, James Conner that I've seen in the in the short weeks that he's played with Kyler is that his target has increased every single week, and he is playing a Steelers defense that isn't the best when it comes to points allowed to the running backs. They're 19th on the season. They don't really prevent yardage either on the ground or through the air, or if you compare it against the league, and um, they do allow targets to running backs as well. So I'm not. I'm not saying that the Steelers defense won't step up, create enough pressure where Kyler's always running around and you can't target the running back. But I do think there's opportunity for them to score in this game. I just, with, if Connor is any sort of option where I have someone competing with him, I'm probably going the other way. I just, there hasn't been enough with the performances with Kyler for me to feel comfortable thinking he's going to hit at least double digits. Now, like I said, there's always touch an opportunity, but it, there's no guarantee it goes to Connor either. 
sadly, I'm right there with you. As I mentioned, James Conner is a player that I've always really liked, and he's a player that I have a little bit of, but that ceiling just hasn't quite been there since Conner came back. As we talked to Michael Carter coming into town, as potentially somebody who can take a little bit of that receiving work away for James Conner, where the receiving work isn't even at a level where we had previously liked for him to have his floor raised. Um, I currently have James Conner down at running back 29 in the week, so I think outside the top 24 is definitely a good call here. Uh, a couple of names, just people are wondering, well, who do I play over him? I think... Devin Singletary, Jalen Warren, Jerome Ford, uh, Brian Robinson Jr. I might even go with Chuba Hubbard if Aaron Jones plays, Najee Harris for sure, uh, Joe Mixon. I think these are all names. Those are just a couple of the guys I have just ahead of just ahead of James Conner. I think all of those names get in my lineup well before James Conner does. Uh, the, the close one there that I mentioned would be Chuba Hubbard. That's a very tough decision. That's one where my ranks would probably change or be right there at the last minute. But yeah, I'm here with it, uh, unfortunately. Uh, I wish things were different, but here we are with James Conner. It's just it just hasn't looked like we're going to get the ceiling we wanted to, or we thought we would have had earlier in the season. My scare for the week is going to be Chris Godwin. Another name that really pains me to put in here because it's a wide receiver that I have a lot of wide receiver that I really like. The wide receiver that I thought could work with Baker Mayfield. Now Baker Mayfield does like to push the ball downfield. He always has. He has a big arm, and that's why I wasn't scared on Mike Evans. I was actually much higher on Mike Evans than most people who are really down on. But that's every offseason. I'm always in on Mike Evans because he's done nothing but give us thousand yard seasons. I know that might sound like very surface level analysis, but Mike Evans is just good. He's that dude. So I wasn't worried about him. I thought the conversation that was legitimate was around Chris Godwin, but just looking at how I thought Chris Godwin was a more dynamic player with the ball in his hands than a player like Jarvis Landry, who when he was absolutely fed, was a player who did rather well in that one season there with Baker Mayfield. And with the way the offensive line was looking in the early offseason and with what we didn't exactly know we were going to get in the running game, I just thought that Chris Godwin was going to be a more integral part of the game plan, getting the ball out quick and just letting him do things with the ball in his hands. But we just haven't gotten that so far. So... I'm here to say Chris Godwin's going to be outside the top 36. He is wide receiver 32 in the ECR. This game has the second lowest total on the week. The Bucks are five and a half point favorites. I think this on paper is just going to be a Mike Evans week, and I think Rashad White is going to go absolutely crazy. My worry is that Godwin just continues his string of mediocrity. Carolina has been the fifth best defensive wide receivers because they're the fourth worst of quarterbacks because of their inability to stop anything on the ground where they are the third worst to running backs. So Godwin, he's got 21% of the team targets. He's just not been as explosive as we're used to after the catch this year. He only has 1.7 yards per route run, which is about average at best. Even if he sees six targets, as he's seen six targets in his last seven games, he won't give us any reflection of a ceiling without a touchdown score, which I think is unlikely just given the projected low scoring week that we're going to have here and the fact that they are favorites against a team that can't stop the run. So I'm not sure that they're necessarily even going to have to air it out in the way where that could happen here. Godwin hasn't scored double digits since week eight in Buffalo. So that's landing him outside the top 40 in every single week over the last month. So I'm lowering my expectation, disappointed, but Chris Godwin is outside of my more shallow lineups this week. Of guys that I was in on this year, I think Godwin is my biggest miss. And <clears throat> I'm with you. I thought there were going to be a lot more targets underneath. I thought there was going to be a lot more opportunity for him to make plays after the catch. But Baker seems to have a play style this year where he just does not want to force anything that could be a potential turnover. And I think that he's just decided that anything across the middle, unless it's wide open, he's not throwing it. And, I mean, I can respect it because he's trying to keep a job in the NFL, something I'll never be able to do. Um, but, yeah, you're right. It, the The – most disappointing thing with Godwin is that the yardage isn't there. Like he can have all of these targets and there's no upside whatsoever because, um, you know, he'll top 60 yards at best and give you maybe nine points and you're hoping for a touchdown, which basically he doesn't get targeted to, to, you know, try to score those. So I'm with you hundred uh, percent. 
Yeah, Derrick Henry proved that Carolina is a team you want to play against. They only scored 17 points, and Derrick Henry was running back eight on the on the week, and he hasn't hit those marks in a long time. So, yeah, it's uh, I, I'm sorry, I'm so mad about the Derrick Henry thing because I my my uh, prediction was prescriptive based on what was going on with the behaviors of the teams. It just that it turned all into Derrick Henry. So, I'm way way happy leaning into Rashad White this week, who I think is a higher performing back this entire season and does it better both ways right now. So uh, it could easily be that Godwin's in there more just to, as someone to take away attention. So the run game can succeed underneath. Yeah. If you want to know the correlation pull here, I have Rashad white up at my running back six on the week currently in the rankings. So I, I, that's how strongly I feel about this one. Uh, Chris Godwin's always been around that like 21% team target mark. He's never been this like elite guy's always been over 20%, like somewhere between 18. Sorry maybe just around 20. He's been always between like 18 and 23, which is good enough when you do what he can do after the catch. And he's always been able to get us five or six touchdowns, take the touchdowns away, less yards after the catch. It's just been, it's been gross. It's been what other analysts out there were calling for Chris Godwin going into the season. And I did admittedly turn a little bit of a blind eye to it just because of how efficient he's always been. And you take that away. Um, yeah, maybe we should have given Tom Brady a little bit more credit for that offense, but it just has my work with Baker Mayfield. I'm not sure that it turns around in the season uh, and it doesn't start this week. But we're going to move into our prayer place for the week. This is the fun section, but the hardest to hit on at times here. Uh, these are guys well outside your lineup. Potentially, you could pick up off the waiver wire and go and put them into your lineup. I know we got a lot of bye weeks this week. You guys are missing out on the Bears, the Bills, the Ravens. There's another one in there, the Vikings. Uh, those are four teams where a lot of players in people's lineups. So, Tim, get us started here. Who is a player that you think can be a prayer for Week 13? Yeah, I've thrown another running back out there because I think that the running back position is going to be the most difficult for a lot of teams this week. So I'm going with Antonio Gibson. I understand that this could be this could be a dud game, but uh, out of the six of his last eight games, he's coming in this week uh, as the RB35. And six of his last eight games, he's outperformed that that rank. And two of his last three games he's played, he's been top 24. I understand the one in Seattle is kind of very dependent on that late touchdown. But I think in this game against Miami, everything's on the table. Because depending on how well Miami plays, how fast they score, how, how much they get up, because this defense has not been good at all this entire season, um, I think that there's, there's opportunity for them to be uh, the necessary – for them to need to throw the ball to running backs uh, to try to keep up as well as I have some stats uh, because I potentially was going to see about how the running back situation in Miami was going to tail out. And just for um, information on the Washington defense, they are 21st on the season of points allowed to running backs, but in the last four, they're 30th allowing 6.4 more points than their average on the season. They're allowing eight targets, 6.2 receptions, uh, full, fourth most targets to running backs allowed second most, or I'm sorry, fourth most targets to running backs, fifth most receptions and second most yardage in the air. So even Miami is probably going to be track meeting through the air to the running backs. And I think that for Washington to keep up there, that this is an opportunity for them to have that type of iteration of their offense and Gibson who may not perform very well this week. I, I would not be surprised if it's 50, 50 that he does or he doesn't, but in a lot of situations where teams are needing running backs, I think you could think a lot worse options to take a risk on. Very fair. I mean, I, I prefer him to options like Samaj P. Ryan, who I've seen people adding this week. Um, you're right. It's really, really bare out there uh, with Antonio Gibson. 
you're going into a game where it's the highest over under on the week. Really, you're just betting on points getting scored in this game. And for Antonio Gibson to go top 24, he probably does need to score a touchdown. Uh, but there are worse weeks. You're going to play Miami. They're going to have to put up points. Uh, I have Sam Howell for for the same exact kind of reason, really high in my quarterback ranks this week. I have my quarterback five on the week uh, just because they're really going to have to do that to keep up. And they're a team with the reason that they've let up so many points at running backs is their defense is just non-existent. They're, they're, a, they're a bad team that got even worse before the trade deadline, and teams have just not only been putting up crazy amount of points against them. I mean, the Giants scored 31 against them. They've let up 105 points over the last three weeks. They played the Giants in there. Absolutely crazy. Um, so in order to keep up, they obviously have to go out. That's we, Whenever we talk about Sam Howell, we mention how he's thrown over 40 times every single week since week three. So if Antonio Gibbs can get out there and play him 40% of the snaps, only catches a couple balls and a touchdown definitely puts him over the mark. Uh, you can do a lot worse than, than, than Tony Gibson, as you had mentioned. It, you have to acknowledge the risk in the play, but sometimes you just, you just don't have another option. And so you're going to shoot with someone who has a legitimate shot to be in an offense that's going to put up points and run a ton of plays. My prayer for the week, guys. A.T. Perry. We're going deep in the bag here. I did allude to it a little bit on one of the, the shows earlier in the week, the transactional tidbits, when I talked injuries around Chris Olave and Rashid Shahid. I said, if we don't have positive updates by the time I come in to record with Tim, sneak peek, we're going to talk about A.T. Perry. And here he is. I threw him in there. I think if Chris Olave is confirmed to be out in this game, I'm going to tell you he's going to finish top 36. If Chris Olave goes, I am going to push it back to 42. Just to say, this is leagues where you have three wide receiver to flex. I think you can still flex me with Chris Olave there because it looks like Rashid Shahid is not going to be playing. Now, if Chris Olave plays, we'll talk about him. I'll just talk about him a little bit now. I mean, he's going to be top 12 in my rank. I am at wide receiver 11 right now. Um, obviously, if he doesn't play, I'm, I'm shooting him out. But if he plays, absolute smash. So don't don't be worried. It's just concussion. He has to clear protocols there. It's a fantastic matchup. And that's what I like about A.T. Perry here. The Detroit Lions defense, absolute Swiss cheese in the air. The Lions have surprisingly been pretty solid against the run this year. 26th to opposing wide receivers. Teams need to keep up against the Lions. I know we're painting that narrative there. with the same thing with the Miami game. But teams have to keep up. The Lions are four and a half point favorites. We're in a dome. Car shoulder is better. A.T. Perry may end up the lone guy on the depth chart. He's flashed just enough with Derek Carr for me to think he can go out there and be productive if given volume. So here we go. I'm really throwing a dart on this one, but we got A.T. Perry finishing top 36 if Chris Olave does not go. He's currently ECR wide receiver 44, which is actually higher than I would have thought. So I think other people are kind of recognizing this opportunity and looking at that depth chart, I'd be, Tim, can you tell me another wide receiver who's going to go out there for the Saints? Kirkwood. Yeah, Kirkwood, who's is he even a wide receiver. Wait, Wasn't Bowden. he a running back depth Bowden, chart in the offseason? Maybe. But yeah, Lynn Bowden's there. Yeah, Kentucky another Bronx, guy who's maybe. been on running back depth charts. <laughs> so I, I think that uh if Detroit scores 17 or more in the first half, that that New Orleans um they pass at least. 45 to 50 times in this game. I truly believe that because mm -hmm. I think that this run game is going to be ineffective. We really haven't seen a great effective run game from Kamara in a long time. Um, Kendra Miller hasn't really been that great on the ground. He has performed decently when he's gotten targets through the air and Jamal Williams is kind of meh. So I think that this game is going to be predominantly passing on the Saints side. And I think that there are going to be enough targets for, one of their wide receivers, maybe two, to be very viable this week. And a lot of the thing about the about these these ranks, right, is about access to players. So yeah, he might end up being wide receiver forty two, 
But if you can't don't have access to wide receiver one to 41 and you have the next best available option to play, that's an advantage because of the fact that either team A has five wide receivers and only can play three. So you're already taking at least two out of those ranks. So then you move you move a, a pair you would move AT Perry up based on uh, their actual performance or impact that they could have to a lineup. So if you're able to go grab him for free, and if you have the opportunity, then you want to take the risk on him. He could pay off very, very highly for you. And it could be a way to kind of switch your flip your matchup during the week. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he's one of those guys, if you're picking up, you're picking him up just to play him. I'm not necessarily saying you need to go out and stash AT Perry. We're playing him because of the limitations on the depth chart. But before we move on to a little bonus section, we have some names jotted down to give you guys a little bonuses. Guys, we're not going to put our stamp on, but I just want to give a quick nod of my cap to them this week. Tim, I got one quick question. It's an over-under. 10 targets, Stavon Kamara, over or under? I'm going over. Yeah. All right. That That's all I needed to hear. Uh, but I'm going to start a bonus off here. Russell Wilson, a quarterback that I talked about in the quarterback rankings, a little higher than I'm used to. But um, I couldn't put a top 12 guy in the ECR as he's sitting currently at quarterback 11 in the ECR into our square section. Uh, but Russ, despite also not, he's never really been a lock for the top 10. But I do want to give a quick shout out for you guys who play Superflex or your two quarterback leagues and your dynasty managers here as well. For dynasty managers who have been tormented by Russell Wilson's woes over the last few seasons, this is your sell window. This is where you're going to go out and you're going to be able to move Russell Wilson. Now, to any competing managers with a whole quarterback too, which is a whole lot of you, right now is your buy window for Russell Wilson before he comes out and has a good week. I think both can be very much true here. The rest of the season schedule for Russell Wilson is hot. It's really, really hot. It's looking really strong the rest of the year. Russell Wilson will finish as a quarterback one. He's going to finish top 12 on the season when it's all said and done here. Um, Denver's just began to heat up. He's quietly been the best quarterback two in all fantasy football this year. He's finished top 18 in all but two weeks but he's only finished in the top 10 twice. So he really just has been that stabilizing quarterback too. He's been perfect in those two quarterback superfights leagues. Four of his five final matchups versus bottom 10 defenses to opposing quarterbacks. So I think he's going to get into the top 10 a couple more times before the year, before things are all said and done. And Denver's really heating up. Uh, at this rate, I'm not going to roll out a 10-win season. Uh, that would be a 9-1 finish to the year, which who would have thought that five weeks ago? Yeah, that's nuts. Everyone's perception of... Uh... Sean Payton has definitely flip-flopped this entire season for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I do like, I don't know if you know, saw the interview there with Sean Payton where they brought up the scoregami because last week there was a score where no team had ever had that before. If you guys aren't familiar with the term and he was unfamiliar with the term and he asked them and they said, it's when a unique score comes in, your team has done it twice this year. And he's like, really? <laughs> like the other one was 20 to 70. And he's like, ah, I'll stick with what we did last week. <laughs> Uh, the ball is on that reporter, but um, a couple shots I want to do at running back here is I think both Najee Harris and Jalen Warren versus Arizona. We go to Arizona every single week, right? That's where we were hot. I think I've gone against Arizona for running backs like three or four weeks in a row on this show. I didn't do it this week just because we are recording after Mike Fallow with his dumpster diving with daddy, and he did go to Najee Harris on that program, and I don't want to always double up on these takes because... Well, I want you guys to get more plays. I want you to hear more perspectives here. But I do want to back him there and say I think Najee Harris is a very strong play. I think Jalen Warren's strong as well. With Arizona, touchdowns are plentiful. There's going to be volumes go around. Pittsburgh is favorited in this game. Uh, it should be an opportunity for uh, the running backs to really, really get things going here for this offense to keep things rolling. Another running back, Devon Chan. I was going to potentially st st stick him into this episode as a square if he plays. But I think 
it goes without saying, if Devon A. Chan is playing, he's going to be in people's lineups. They've been waiting all year. I don't think they're going to be concerned where, eh, what kind of version of him am I going to get? If he's playing, people are eager to throw him into lineups. But my take there was going to be, if he doesn't go, because of the limitations to Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson was going to be an RB3, but with Mostert potentially also not playing, I was going to square Jeff Wilson as a guy who should be in your lineups as top 24. So I do just want to say if those other backs from Miami do miss in a game where there's no way Washington keeps Miami under 30 points, you can do a lot worse than sticking in a running back who's going to get double-digit touches. So, But again, that always comes down to what the health of the guys ahead Jeff Wilson is because if Devon HN and Raheem Moser are playing, the guy's probably not going to see more than a couple touches in relief for maybe garbage time. And the other name, who again doesn't need to go without saying because you guys have been waiting on him all year, I think Aaron Jones is a fringe running back too, should he suit up. Uh, just a couple injury calls there. That that was really it with a couple of those guys. Like Jaden Reed is another name. I really want to go to Jaden Reed as my prayer play uh, in this one. I think he's a top 36 play if he's cleared to go. But again, he missed two practices in a row now. So I'm not convinced that Jaden Reed's going to suit up this weekend, which is really disappointing. I really need him to go in Scott Fishbowl because I have multiple bye weeks, a couple injuries like with Kenneth Walker not playing in this one, Diggs on by. Uh, I got one or two other guys there on by that normally such Saquon Barkley on by. I really need Jane Reed to go in there and play. So I think if he does, he's in your lineups. We mentioned Chris Olave, that he's obviously in your lineups. And the other play in the Saints we didn't talk about with Taysom Hill. I think Taysom Hill is in lineups this week. ECR has him as a top eight play. I think he is a top eight play, the tight end position. That's why I didn't square him. He's already ranked so high. You can just go on the website and look at rankings if you just wanted to go in there. But if we don't have Chris Olave, we don't have Rashid Shahid. I know we're calling for A.T. Perry as a play, but at the end of the day, he hasn't proven himself there. And you like Alvin Kamara for 10 targets. He, Alvin Kamara can't get 25 targets. And if they're going to throw the ball 45 times, I think Taysom Hill's going to find his way into both that side of the game and the rushing game. Because with Kendra Miller, he's not 100%, by the way. And Jamal Williams just being just a guy, really. He's always been that. He's always been like a uh, mediocre at everything but can do everything slightly below average back. So he's a perfect like RB3 of an injury. He can come in and he's always been, you know, serviceable in every area. Cause even on the goal line, completely average, but with Detroit, they just fell on the one yard line so many times that the volume was absolutely absurd. I never thought he elevated his play. I think he just was in a fantastic situation last year. My point here being is I think Taysom Hill gets work on the ground as well. So, uh, so for you guys who are desperate this week, and maybe you didn't get the chance to play Jake Ferguson this week, uh, I, I'm not watching the game. We are recording during the game, so I don't know exactly how that one is going, but he's another name I had right next to Taysom Hill in rankings. I think Taysom Hill is totally safe because you've got, what, Don Kincaid, Isaiah Likely, TJ Hawkinson, Cole Komet. Those are four guys who are in whoever owns them's lineup. So you might be looking for a tight end. I want to throw that out there. And with those other bye weeks as well, because I know a lot of you guys have Tyler Bass, Justin Tucker. I do just want to say, if you didn't listen to our special team spotlight episode this week, where we talk about our defensive kicker streamers, I think Brandon McManus and Jason Sanders are your guys. So go pick them up. They're both top eight plays, uh, both fantastic. We talked about the matchups there for Miami and how many points they're going to put up. And then with Brandon McManus, he's just been on a roll. He's been fantastic all year, and he's still only rostered in about 45% of leagues, which is absurd to me. Uh, he's a top five guy, probably rest of the season there for me, especially now that they seem to get things rolling again. So just want to throw out a couple things in there. Should you also just be a manager who wants to switch up at kicker. It's always fun. I love to rotate my kicker pretty much every single week. If I don't have one of the set and forget guys like a Justin Ticker, a Brandon Aubrey, or, you know, a Dustin Hopkins type, type, type player. So, um, yeah, but I think that's all we got for you. Um, 
as I mentioned, when we got started, we're on our way to 2,500 subscribers. This is our goal by the end of the season. So if you could go down and subscribe and join us there, you would be an absolute legend. A couple of things before we get out. You can find in the description a link to our Coops category. We're taking every single player, whether it's in season, just like here with Tim and I, whether it's Dynasty, or you just want to know what we're thinking of them leading up to the season. Keep us accountable. Everything is in there. Self-explanatory. You can go into our Discord absolutely free. If you don't see a take recent enough on a player you would like, let us know what format, and we'll fit him in an upcoming video if we can. You want my notes for this show sheet, as well as our full Dynasty ratings, a bunch of other fun extra bonus content there. Go into our Patreon package to start at less than a dollar a week. Underdog up there. Drafts are still going all season. Real prizes against real people. And you don't have to go in and do all of the setting lineups, playing waivers. And it goes through the fantasy playoffs. So when your season's done, or maybe you didn't make playoffs, that's coming up in a couple of weeks, but you still want to get the fantasy fever going. First sign depositors match up to $100 on RI Fantasy. Fantastic place to play. JW Fantasy Football, we're just that. JW Fantasy Football on all platforms. We're going to try our best next year to put a little bit more focus on other platforms. Uh, it was just a little exhausted this year. We, we, we started well. We're going to push that next year as well, Spotify, and anywhere you find your podcast. That's something early in the offseason. We try to make sure that we we put a little bit more focus onto there in case you're not just a YouTube guy over here with us. But for you guys who are here with us on YouTube, absolute legends. And uh, for Tim and I, we'll catch you guys next time. Make sure that you go at JDB underscore FF on Twitter. Follow everybody on the team there. You can find everything they have going on in that tweet. See you.